Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you think long term, um, when, when, you, when you understand your personal ambition, like you mentioned, you, you act faster than people who think short term. And the reason this is counterintuitive is, is short term thinkers who try and capitalize on trends, you know, that they're out there moving quickly, you know, grabbing domain names or, or, or you know, acting quick with, um, uh, you know, fast manufacturing, fast, fast fashion, all, all these different fields that you can really see people acting quickly and uh, building businesses overnight almost um, and making millions. But, but without the long-term thinking, the next wave, the next wind, the next uh, you know, storm sends people scattering in, in every direction. And what we found is with people like Yvonne Chouinard, who wrote the forward, building a brand like Patagonia, he's able to act very quickly because he, he knows where he's going long-term. He doesn't have to make every calculation along the way. And this is a quality that unites all of these different brands. Is they have a long-term ambition, some personal dream or aspiration whether it's winning a hockey championship or building a better guitar, that they're seeking to, to follow and, and share with others. How you day, how you day, talking to Lucas Conley today. And today is one of my favorite episodes because it is about what I love to talk about the most, legacy building, making sure that you're ensuring that the right culture is in place. And Lucas co-wrote a book, which I believe answers a lot of the questions to how can you build a sustainable brand that also galvanizes and brings people from all backgrounds together? We talk about building brands with influence, how you set up your legacy, and how to do that in today's modern world. He has examples from several industries, and he, as long as his co-authors interviewed some of the most preeminent leaders in today's world, and, and they dove into really what it takes to build a sustainable brand across personal lines as well as corporate lines. I really hope it's something you can apply learn how you can make your legacy personal, learn how you can contribute with impact, and how you can make the world a better place. Check it out. Share it with everybody. And please, when you listen to the episode, at me and Lucas Conley so that you can let us know that you listened to the episode. Love you all and enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is Lucas Conley, who is the co-author of Legacy in the Making. He's a writer with the Legacy Lab, which is a consulting um, lab that we're going to discuss very soon. He's also the author of various other books, and he's had a varied, varied, varied career. But a lot of praise has been coming in for this this book of his, which is one of my favorite books of the year. And you all listening know I've been reading a lot this year. I'm on fifty something on, on one of my uh, for the year. So this was one of the books that made the list, and 
some of the praise that you can hear is that Legacy in the Making is a masterful, comprehensive, thoughtful book that will steward you to achieve relevant, prosperous, and endearing brand strength. If you care about the impact of your brand, stewardship, there is no better book from you. And that, that's from Joseph Mitchell, who's got a PhD and is a New York Times number one bestseller himself. So welcome to the show, Lucas. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, you wrote a book on legacy, but you are setting a legacy yourself. I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the, uh, the praise here um, has been um, nothing short of a remarkable. Must read, uh, inspirational, educational, different type of books. Uh, and I'm so curious about that. As someone who is one of the co-authors of, of such a book, where did that come from? You know, w- w- you grew up in um, multiple cities, but I'm curious, when you were a kid, young Lucas, did you see yourself doing what you're doing right now today? I definitely understood very early on that I loved writing and that, that it was something that I, I um, connected with personally and then allowed me to connect with others. Um, and, and that people, I, people identified uh, that I had a skill in, in it. And, and so that was something that I, I can say at a very young age was clear to me. It wasn't, it wasn't clear until... Um, after college, when I started getting paid to write, that this was going to be a career for me. Uh, I think for a long time, I, I kind of assumed that I'd find, find some other way to get paid. Um, but uh, once I became a journalist, um, I started my career just after college at the Atlantic Monthly and um, started writing for the Boston Globe, um, began building my career into business journalism and sports, writing for Fast Company and uh, ESPN. And um, all of these were just great opportunities at the time. You know, I, I loved writing. I never pictured myself writing for business or sports. But when somebody would approach me and say, hey, would you like to write a story about this, this figure or this business? Um, the common thread was always, I love to write. I love to tell stories, even if it's about a subject that I wasn't you know, intuitively um, uh, built to me. Um, I, I jumped. And um, before long, I was working for Fast Company as a staff writer. And I, I, I wrote an essay that... Um, I guess uh, it was the early, early, early days of the internet, but it went viral, and I got my first book deal um, for a book called Obsessive Branding Disorder, hmm. uh, and that was a, a social critique of uh, the way that marketing had kind of infiltrated uh, our culture. Wow, wow. It, okay, so there are a few things I want to peel out of there, because the people listen to a show who would say that they're looking for their passion, they're trying to identify the passion. You identified your passion early on as writing, and what you did with writing is... It's so interesting to me because Fast Company, ESPN, Boston Globe, Spin, Wall Street Journal, these are all very, very different um, different publications. But the one connecting thread there is your writing and also possibly your eye for stories, your ability to figure out how stories can impact people on a personal level. And that skill that you have that's transferable, it's something that I like to, to get into the mind of, of experts of because... Mm-hmm. I hear a lot of times, a lot of people are saying, I don't know how my skill set can translate into all that. I have this passion, but it doesn't work. You're someone that has managed to turn that, uh, that I guess, myth around and say, hey, look, you have a skill. It can be anything you want in any industry. So can you break it down for everyone here, how you are able to make it transferable? Yeah. And, and actually, that's a really good segue. I can talk about it in the context of the current book, um, right. because the 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 characters that we um, started focusing on for this book, Legacy in the Making, had a, char- had a characteristic that I had, 
um, which is early on in in my life, it was it was not about making a million dollars. Um, I, I think if you talk to people about what they want to do, what their passion is, you will find some that say, I want to get rich. And then this book is not necessarily um, targeted towards starting that way. Um, th this book kind of uh, frames the, the way uh, to think about building your career with thinking about your ambition. So, for example, the, the first uh, story we talk about in the book, the, the title is Contribution Before Extraction. And I think that is um, a great way to answer your question, which is when you, when you think about your passion um, and you think about how you can contribute that passion to others, whatever, whatever it may be, whatever field you're in, um, when you lead with contribution, what we found again and again and again with the people that we profiled and that we were researching is that they, they found ways to get paid. They found ways to actually build businesses, to build influence, to expand their reach, because people saw how fired up they were and they saw the, the contributions that they were making to the world. So what we tried to do is ultimately highlight people who made great profits and made a great contribution because it shows this, this virtuous cycle that follows when you follow your passion. Yeah. Wow. And that's, I love how you segue that into, I mean, you can tell that you're in the media <laughs> with the way you did that. That's a seamless thing. That's a, that's a very skill set, strong skill set with storytelling, but Let's let's even dive into that to that more. So, you have I believe seven pillars. Five. We have five in this. Oh, book. sorry, sorry. Five pillars, and you started off with um, the the Ford, which is what arrested me the first time, and I mean arrest in a good way. But um, what, yeah. when I was I was reading uh, what um, I'm going to butcher his name, but Ivan of uh, Patagonia was saying about how yeah. he rebranded his company and had a whole culture change. It, it really, you know, it shook me because, like I said uh, to you before the show, my job a lot of times as a consultant and speaker is to go into a lot of these companies that are, are figuring out how to change an organization culture and attract people from different diverse talent and create inclusive environments. And it starts with whatever your the internal culture is. And his ability to recognize that and to start from there and to say, I need to contribute I need to make sure that there's this synergy with what I'm saying and what the company believes and what our values was it was um was it was it was just refreshing to see and then you go on to the the people that you actually highlighted uh, and organizations you highlighted um I, i'm just curious if you could just give the audience a you know go beyond the first pillar and go through every step and and educate us on why that is the best way to uh build a legacy in today's modern world Absolutely, absolutely, and of course, if you look at our book, it has seven seven key parts. So I can. That, that's why I saw the seven. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but the the, the four is a good example with Yvonne Chouinard. He was a guy that we sat down with up in uh, Ventura, California, and um, he he's one of the types of people who really exhibits all five of these transformations that we we, we talk about in the book um, through a lifetime of work. Um, he's stepped back from the day-to-day -day management of Patagonia now, and um, he's built this incredible, incredible brand. And, and a lot of times, he's built it through hardships. But um, he, in the forward, kind of walks through what we ultimately saw was going to be a, a, a good mirror of the transformations in the book. And so we we talked to him, and when we were working and editing the forward, and uh, really he was able to hit those five points. So the forward is a great great place to get a sense of what the book's about and the five transformations. And I, I can kind of walk through those. Um, the, 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 the five transformations in the book center around this idea that there's a traditional way of building legacy, 
and there's a modern way of building legacy. Um, so when you look at the traditional way that uh, people thought about legacy in the past, um, they thought about things in, in kind of an institutional manner. So they might have followed uh, organizational practices. Um, they might have built their entire career around um, a very kind of uh, formal set of business-like uh, behaviors. Um, today, we're seeing people who are following personal ambitions in almost every field and really redefining what, what the role of their, their career is through their own personal aspirations um, rather than trying to fit within an institutional organizational model. Um, so everybody profiled in our book has that first characteristic, uh, what we ultimately call the modern legacy mindset. That's that first principle. Um, the second one we call from attitudinal to behavioral. So traditional business leaders, traditional brand leaders will think more about attitude than um, letting their actual beliefs guide their behaviors. Um, when they're, when they're uh, hiring, when they're building an organization, the culture of the organization, um, they'll kind of project an image rather than um, letting the truth shine through. So that's a, another transformation that we profile. The third transformation uh, is commanding to influential. So traditionally, uh, the command and control model of uh, dealing with customers, you'd reach out and tell customers what you're doing and what to buy, and it was kind of a one-way communication model. That's completely changed in the digital era, the era of the Internet, uh, the era of social media. Now we're seeing leaders who build brands with influence. Um, they, they, they ride cultural um, events. They're out there talking to people about what they care about. They're letting outsiders into their brand, um, which was never true before. So that's a, that's a transformation that um, uh, really distinguishes traditional from modern legacy builders. Um, the fourth, uh, modern legacy builders are really unconventional. Uh, while traditional legacy is fairly orthodox, it stays within its category. Um, they, people just try to be the best in the category. Modern legacy thinkers don't want to be the best. They want to be the only one doing what they do. This is a characteristic we, we saw in everybody in the book as well. Um, and the fifth transformation is from episodic to perpetual. Episodic innovation, episodic um, evolution is a very classic um, characteristic of a, of a traditional legacy. Uh, you'll see traditional legacy builders innovate only when they need to. Um, they will uh, continue, continue doing what they did in the past or innovate all at once. What we found with modern legacy builders is that they perpetually innovate. They're drawing on their past, inspired by the future, and they're forging their modern legacy in, in the present. Um, those, so those are the five key transformations that we noticed, and those combine to what we call the modern legacy mindset. That's, I mean, it's fantastic. And anyone listening, you should all check out these stories. They all, these five pillars are told through the lens of you know, several brands. I mean, you've got Grey Goose, you, you know, you, you've got... Uh, the, the honest brand, I believe. And, yep. And you, you educated, you put me on, um, this is this, this hockey team here from Canada yeah. who has like 13 championships, I believe, if I remember correctly. And yep. they just was like, they went, they hadn't had a, a winning season in a while. And yeah, I remember, yeah, when, when I was reading the book, I was like, okay, okay, this guy came here, but let me go on, on the internet and check their record. To see if they actually make the playoffs, and they did. They, you know, I mean, they got out the first round. But yep. I was, I was yep. so it was so fascinating how this translates across several industries. And you, 
on uh, Mark were really smart to show that it wasn't just like uh, it's an alcoholic beverage or a sports team or any of that. It, it's really something that's transferable. And um, and I, I want to really just say that that personal thing, I think, is the biggest point, the idea of making it personal. And it's something that a lot of people, a lot of traditions have veered away from. Why do you feel like that's the case? Well, and I wanted to add one more thing to that, too. I think one of the other qualities that unites all these stories um, throughout all these industries, right? You mentioned we have sports, we have music, we have uh, we have got um, auto manufacturing yeah. in there. You got red. Yeah. <laughs> right. We've got nonprofits. Is, um, is, is the counter to, this counterintuitive insight that Mark and I started to recognize as we spoke to these people, which is when you think long term, um, when, when, you, when you understand your personal ambition, like you mentioned, you you act faster than people who think short term. And the reason this is counterintuitive is, is short term thinkers who try and capitalize on trends, you know, that they're out there moving quickly, you know, grabbing domain names or, or, or you know, acting quick with, um, uh, you know, fast manufacturing, fast, fast fashion, all, all these different fields that you can really see people acting quickly and uh, building businesses overnight almost um, and making millions. But, but without the long term thinking, the next wave, the next wind, the next uh, you know, storm sends people scattering in, in every direction. And what we found is with people like Yvonne Chouinard, who, who wrote the forward, building a brand like Patagonia, he's able to act very quickly because he, he knows where he's going long term. He doesn't have to make every calculation along the way. And this is a quality that unites all of these different brands is they have a long term ambition, some personal dream or aspiration, whether it's winning a hockey championship or building a better guitar that they're seeking to to follow and, and share with others. And because they have that, as, as market trends and consumer trends come and go, they're not getting lost in, 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 in their goals. Yeah, yeah. And for those listening, the five pillars are take leadership personally, behave your beliefs, let outsiders in, invent your own game, never stop making legacy. Yes, yeah. thank you. No, 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 I always find reiteration to be very helpful to, to the listeners. Now, let's talk about, you know, some people, I find that some people go up to the behavior beliefs part, and then the outsiders is where they feel a little, um, a little afraid. And then those that get the outsiders in, they don't know how to invent their own game after the outsiders are in. And, and, and it's such an interesting, um, interesting mix for me, at least for me to see just as a consultant and a strategist, which you are as well. Um, usually in this stage when you let outsiders in, people get nervous about the culture changing. And I find that if you have a firm culture, it's, it's the other way around where the culture wouldn't change. Everybody would be enriched, you know, because of the outsiders you bring it in because they're attracted to that. Yeah. But a lot of fast, I'm bringing Uber up, for example. Uber is the example I'm bringing here. Fast growing companies, Mm -hmm. billions of dollars in revenue, but they, they, that stage, the outsiders in, and inventing their own game in between that stage, they, a lot of times they miss the boat there. So mm-hmm. can, can you talk to us about what you've learned? I mean, you've got the legacy lab, so I imagine you had a lot of test cases and case studies for this. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the story that most fits what you're talking about in the book is um, The Honest Company, actually. Um, hmm. The type of that story is your culture is your product. And I think the, what what they do on an internal level as they've, as they've grown, and they've got Ivy Leaguers lined up, um, to work for for potentially less than they could get at, at competitors' companies because of their values, because of their mission, because of what they do in the world. 
Um, that company, and, and this actually is true of many of the brands that we speak with, they regard the products that they make as kind of secondary to their, their values and their culture. So, for example, they make, they make a lot of cleaning products, a lot of um, home and baby products, um, but their mission is a cleaner world, cleaner, greener world, I think is one of their values. Mm -hmm. um, so if they, if they end up making clothing next year or homewares or you know, electronics, that, that all fits under a grand, greater mission and a greater culture for their brand. So the people who work there work there for that mission, not because they love making diapers or, or you know, uh, moisturizer. Um, and like I said, this is true at a lot of the different brands we see where the people are there because they really follow this ethos. So I think when you have that, that strong set of values that draws the people to, to your brand, that can be the, what guides, guides the brand and, and is hard to dilute. Even if the products change, even if the people change, even if the company grows, we found that culture is, is when done right, one of the easiest things to scale, right? You can really grow the, that you know, from 100 people to 1,000 people with those values, if those values are held strong. So in, this, in the book, we talk about the honest company. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Because they've done a really, really good job of reinforcing those values even as they've grown so that, you know they're 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 regularly scheduling programs where they're talking to their employees about their values and how they're coming to life um, which is of course different than just you know publishing a book of values and putting it in an hr you know handbook on the shelf um, it's really keeping those those values and those beliefs alive as the as the employees evolve as the products evolve as the company grows when you talk about short-term thinking and how you that perpetuates our mindsets today and we forget about the long-term view. I'm always reminded of my favorite leader of all time. Everybody in the podcast, regular podcast listeners notice, I always bring up Nelson Mandela, but he had such a big impact in my life because when you look at his life after 27 years in jail, he had the option of saying, I'm going to retaliate. It's my turn. You know, you guys put me here in jail. Now you are, you all are going to experience the wrath that I experienced. But what was most powerful to me was how he felt like reconciliation and forgiveness was the better tool for the nation to survive. He said, you know, we're all South Africans, white, you know, black uh, people of color. And if we don't put outside our differences and understand how to work well together, we won't be able to have a united South Africa. And I've always been fascinated by that type of thinking. And it sounds like that is what permeates your book where the leaders that are able to recognize that and understand that that sense of big picture thinking is so much more important than whatever 
you know, it can give you short-term pleasure. And, and, and it's, it's the same thing in sports, you know, you were off ESPN, whether, you know, you, you have to sacrifice those moments in the gym and you know that you're putting in these hours, even though you could go out at night to do something like that. It's the same sort of behavior. And these are old stories that we've seen, but you tell it in such a new way. And uh, I just wonder where we lost that. It's it, it's interesting, right? Because there is, uh, I think, our culture moves so fast. It's one of the things we, we talk about a lot in the front of the book is, is, you know, how did we get here to this place that people are behaving this way? And this yeah. what people call short, short-termism. Um, and I think that part of the reason is, is you know, we, we consume a, a lot of media. We have a 24-hour news cycle. We have the, the internet and social media now kind of feeding this faster and faster sense of the way we spread information, which in, in many ways is good, but it also comes with it this sense that things, other things that need to happen quickly and this instant gratification comes along with it, um, this desire for overnight success. Yeah. And people, people lose sight of their longer term goals. And, and I think Nelson Mandela is a great example because had he, say, gone about a, a, a campaign of retribution, where does that leave the country? Where does that leave the people, right? The, when you look, think long-term about what that would have done, um, you, you start to see that that's not actually what he wanted to build. Similarly, you know, we have a lot of these, these leaders in this book, they're thinking long-term about not just the, the company that they built um, or even the, their influence on culture now, but they're thinking in terms of how, does, how do my values transcend generations um you know how does what what i've built um when i'm gone when either when i die or when i retire and i have to hand this brand on what am i doing that that can be carried on by others not exactly the way i i do it but but with the core mission or values that will carry forward in their own way for the next generation um and one of the stories we, we, we point to um is is taylor guitars at the end of the book the guys who founded this brand Bob Taylor and Kurt Listig, they 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 actually didn't want to sell this brand to another company and make it you know ton of money uh, as they retired because they thought we've seen this happen with other guitar brands where somebody will come in and they don't have the same connection to the brand and they'll just repeat the same products or really kind of try and squeeze the last dollar out of it um, with you know with with the right accounting and financing practices but 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 they're not really building the brand the way the founders built the brand. So what they decided to do um, before they retired is to identify their successor. Um, And this is a guy from their guitar shop. He's a master luthier, builds guitars um, in in his mid-30s. And they said, they basically identified this guy and said, "You, you will carry this brand forward because you embody these values. And I think that is something that great leaders do as they look forward, is, is they look at what, not just how can I build this or how can I influence culture, but how can I influence others to carry forward what I believe in? Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, this, I, I can't sing the praises of this book enough. And, and what you said is so true. I also marked down something in line with what you said. I folded the book a lot, so I hope you, you don't mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's got all this design in there. I know, I know, I know. There's just so much good stuff. Lucas, you got to stop writing this well. But uh, <laughs> um, the, the thing that I focused on here on was, um, it was, I believe it was when we were talking about the hockey team. And it, yeah, it says, then the, yeah, Toronto Maple Leafs. You had, there was a list of things that were put there to keep in mind. Be clear and honest about your vision. That was the first thing. Be self-assured throughout the good times and the bad times. Make sure everyone is on board. 
hire the very best, strip away completely, uh, complexity rather, uh, put the team before the, before the star, invest in the future, respect the past, and lead with pride. Now, that was to his team, but I find that that's also relevant to us. I, 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 want us, I wanted to get your perspective on individuals now. I know this was told through a lot of company brands, but what has happened with the digital age is that you have influencers now, right? And influencers, mm-hmm. uh, I'm 28. Uh, my brother's, my youngest brother is 19 and mm-hmm. his heroes <laughs> are YouTube stars. So <laughs> these are people that are putting on boxing matches that are, you know, that are not even boxers, but they're going to pull the same type of ratings. And these are yeah. people that get the news and stuff like that. I am very, very eager to hear your thoughts on how to apply that on an individual level for those who have skill sets. Maybe they're writers like yourself, podcasters, or other forms of aspiring thought leaders. What are things that they can focus on? Well, the, it's great that you, the example you used was the Toronto Maple Leafs because that, that whole chapter, the fifth chapter, is about the um, perpetual side of legacy building. Um, and this is, I think, probably the hardest part of this, right? A lot of us can dream. A lot of us can inspire others and engage others and even be unique. You know, those are the first four pillars of this book. But the idea of keeping it up and keeping after it um, is where a lot of people fall short. And, and I think this is where it ties back well into the first chapter. If you're dedicated to something that you truly love and that you truly want to see change in the world, you, you make the, what we call a durable difference in the world, that's going to be the quality that helps you get up every day and keep after it even when you have bad days. Um, the the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, they, what we loved about them is that they put their plan into practice all the time so that it's not just, uh, you know, we fell short today, so something must be wrong. It's, yeah, we fell short today. That's part of the plan. We plan to lose. We plan to get our butts kicked in the name of getting better. And if we stick to these core ideas day in, day out, through our practices, build these habits and follow these values, we can get where we want to go in the long term. And they have a years, years long vision. This isn't, you know, a one year, one season team. They could have, you know, bought great players and tried to go for, for a, a championship in one year, but they decided to go for younger players and build around core values and core beliefs for the long term. Um, that, that quality, I, I think, is, is hard if you don't really have that long term personal ambition yeah. set, set in. So it really does tie back to that first chapter. Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh... It all comes down to self-awareness initially, I think. Um, even with, on a personal level, it's really knowing who you are, what you want to achieve. I think a lot of times people find themselves comparing uh, themselves or their company's brand to other people, and they miss out on the core ingredients of what makes them who they are initially. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's a very dangerous thing because when you're talking about, you know, in one of your five bullets, you talk about, you know, sort of having your own flavor when it comes to that part, you don't even know who you are at that point because you based it off of someone else's, you know, identity. And so yeah. that, 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 and that's just another reason why I love the book. And I know I keep saying this, but it's because it all ties into one another. Every, each of these five pillars, they tie into one another in the sense that you can't just do four out of the five or, or three right. out of the five or, you know, or one out of the five. You have to do each of these things because if you don't do, particularly the last point, which you just talked about, it's not going to last. 
you know, and yeah. that's what you, your, your whole point throughout this book is long term, long term. Um, and so no, that's, that's so fascinating with me. I also want to talk about uh, legacy as it pertains to media. You are someone who has worked in traditional media. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard every sort uh, sort of death uh, uh, pronouncement to your to your <laughs> medium. Uh, sports media is dead. Media is dead. It's digital. Cord quarters. Uh, you know every every of these things. You know people are emerging. What is the point of being a writer? <laughs> How yep. did and these things have plagued uh, particularly the media industry in the last ten years. I would say. Mm-hmm. How where do you see the where do you see the world going in, in media? How do you see my generation and younger consuming media? And how do you see professionals staying relevant so that they can be, I guess, they can be paid what they're worth? It's, it's a great question, right? Because if you get caught following the, the trends, it, and this is true in, in, a, in, a, in a metaphorical way, right, for, for any business, but in speaking with uh, media, if you get caught following the trends, you you see these different types of medium medias are of dying or evolving. Um, I came into the magazine industry. The magazine industry has taken a terrible hit, but it's evolved into kind of an online thing nowadays. When somebody says they're they're in a in a magazine, I almost just assume they're talking about an online version versus the physical version. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you see these things go evolve quickly if you follow the trends, but if you step back and you're trying to build a career in media, for example, or you're trying just to, to anticipate where media is going, I, I think what's borne out for me in, in the field for a couple decades now is that people who tell great stories always find a medium for those stories. Um, it, it may be now in video or it may be in social media. I mean, the, the, the stories that people are able to share on even on Instagram and short videos um, are, just blow me away sometimes, and, and, and it, it, it stimulates the creativity of storytelling. So if you if you go back to that core idea of, of what am I here to do, and, and you're working in media, or you're trying to share your message via media, it's I would say it's not to get caught in the trend. For example, I want to tell my story for Instagram. It's you know what is my story, you know what or what is the career I'm trying to build first, with regardless, because five years from now, all the media we currently use might be obsolete and we might be looking at these you know very very different forms of technology that are helping us tell stories but the core idea telling story sharing inspiration sharing how other people solve problems or or in, you know inspiring people to think up new ways to solve their own problems that that kind of backbone i think will always be present in media whatever technology we're using yeah 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 i think it's always interesting hearing you talk and Watching both, I'm just I you know when I read your book, I looked at both of your careers. The thing that has always been interesting is that you've been able to tell stories, whether it's with your legacy lab, and you understand that storytelling is is uh, a tale as old as time to uh, (laughs) steal from my favorite Disney movie. But um, (laughs) Beauty and the Beast, shout out! But uh, but um. It, it is. It is. It is. It is something that that it was done by uh, you know people prehistorically. You know whether it's cavemen or any of that. That's how gener- You know legacies were passed. That's how you know uh, lessons were taught. That's how you know you know religions were spread. You know stories, mm-hmm. fables, and different things like that. And that as only just the only difference with, with that time and today's time is the 
vehicle and the platforms of which they are they're shared. And what stories do today is that they allow people to see themselves in some of the heroes, allow people to understand cautionary tales, but also allow people to be inspired and motivated. And if you're able to tell your your company or your brand story in a way that allows them to put themselves into that, ultimately you're creating a legacy of people that will champion your brand, which is what sustains yeah. it. It's interesting too that the, the, what you reminded for me was um, when I started with this project with the Legacy Lab. Mark founded this in 2012, and I came on shortly after. What I noticed coming out of journalism, um, because that's really why he hired me, is you know to, to work alongside with the journalistic uh, eye the, the, for the research that he was doing into Legacy. Was I started to identify a certain certain people who were sharing their story in ways that were never being told in, in, in classic journalism stories. And, and what I mean is not necessarily that you can't find stories about legacy in the media. What I mean is when you just ask people about legacy year after year after year, what you start to see are themes like people sharing stories they've never shared before in their personal lives. You know, the, the Yvonne Chouinard you know, is a very experienced business leader. He's built Patagonia into this global billion-dollar brand. But at the end of our interview, he said, hey, you know what? Would you get me the transcript for this interview? Because I've said a lot of things that I've never talked about before. And that, that's the type of thing we hear pretty regularly when you ask people about their legacy. And I think that, that there's something very deeply um, universal about that, whether you're building a brand or you're just working to start your career, that when you think about yourself or your work in terms of the long-term impact it's going to make, you really start to get to a deeper, more meaningful, purposeful place that um, is both pers personally inspiring and inspires others. Yeah, that's why it's always important to be clear about your vision from the start. And and oftentimes we need to listen to ourselves. And you know, sometimes we're so focused on the end destination that we just miss out on on simple clues that are in front of us. What our friends say we have a knack for, uh, where yep. environments we always find ourselves in, or shortcuts yep. we happen to make, and uh, and you know. Uh, I think w you brought up a great point where you said if we continue to perpetuate uh, live in this sort of short short term type of world, we're going to miss out on just that that <laughs> those firm foundational skill sets that we already have. And uh, I, I think your, your book is a great reminder of that. We're talking to one of the co-authors of Legacy in the Making: Building a Long Term Brand to Stand Out in a Short Term World, and. Um, Getting ready to close, but I, I, I mean, I, um, I just want to give you the floor to talk more about what Legacy Lab is and, and what you, why you actually, you joined it more. I know you touched on it there when you said you were invited to, to do a lot of the work there, but what is the hope for Legacy Lab? Yeah. One of the things that we're, we're looking to do always is identify the next modern legacy builders. So we're always looking for people telling new stories, people building new brands, with these types of values in mind. Um, as Mark and I like to say, we're always writing the second book because we are out there on the road speaking and talking, identifying what, what we call new legacy makers. Um, we have an a, a award series coming up right now for uh, people who are uh, um, as young as 11 years old but who have these visionary ambitions to change the world for the better. So... Um, that that's kind of our next chapter. Uh, we have a we have a nonprofit foundation that we've started that's part of the Legacy Lab. 
a portion of the, of the sales of every book goes towards these new legacy makers. Um, and we're also looking for people who have established brands who are looking to make that turn. Um, people who have a legacy or have come into a brand with a legacy that are looking to grow that legacy, evolve that legacy, and bring it into the modern age and, and, and evolve it moving forward. So it's it's um, it, it's it's we're keeping our eye for you know to, to the future with respect to the past, regardless of who we work with. But it's it's a it's a fascinating tension between those two. Whether you're talking to someone who's very young or who's, who's leading a brand that's over 150 years old. Wow. Huh. And and where can what's the website? Uh, that's thelegacylab.com, and uh, we're also the Legacy Lab on uh, at, uh, on Twitter, and um, we have a uh, Facebook as well. Okay. Now I'll definitely make sure I put that in the show notes. And where can people find your book? Uh, we're available on Amazon anywhere, of course, and uh, in your local bookstore. Wow. Okay. This is great. Legacy in the making. Make sure you get it. Make sure you grab a copy. You're not going to regret it. And uh, I'll put that in the show notes. But it's been a real pleasure talking to you. And uh, before I leave, I want to ask you my final question, which is the mission statement, my vision, if you will. Uh, yeah. And it's the foundation of everything that I do, podcast, speaking, and consulting. And it's this, use your difference to make a difference. That's what I always say. And that's the foundation of anything that I do. So how do you, Lucas, use your difference to make a difference? I use my difference to make a difference by telling stories about the human side of business. Um, that's a quality that I started to recognize in myself probably 10 15 years ago that there are a lot of business stories that really stick to the numbers or stick to the quarterly trends and um, what we would call the institutional organizational thinking. And uh, I was fortunate to rise up as a journalist through Fast Company, which really is a business magazine that tries to tell more personal stories. And I've leaned into that aspect of my career um, since then and really tried to look for the people behind those businesses and the personal stories behind those people. So that's how I use my difference. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, Lucas Connolly, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you, Tyler. That was great. Pleasure is mine. Till next time, fellows and ladies, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.